It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 10th, 2019. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You of course follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we'll talk about Wes Awundu and his season as we continue our player evaluation series. I can promise you we'll get to more of them. Kind of taking a few days off here just to kind of bank some posts up. So we have something substantial to talk on the show. There's plenty to get to, plenty to be, plenty to, to get to still, but trying to ease off the throttle a little bit now that the season's over. We'll ramp back up once free agency starts, and of course, once draft preparation is in full swing, which, what do you know? is next week with the NBA Draft Lottery on Tuesday. Don't care about that. Uh, And the NBA Draft Combine toward the end of the week. So a lot to get to. Don't worry. We'll get to all of it. But we'll talk about Wessa Wundu today. We'll also talk about the top games for the Orlando Magic this season. Walk a little bit down memory lane. And and some of the themes that are kind of consistent about all the games that that I picked out for the top 10 games of Orlando Magic history. That post will be up on orlandomagicdaily.com in the morning. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network to catch you up on everything going around the NBA. You want to get the information about the NBA playoffs from the local sources. You want to get the information about the NBA draft from the local sources. And there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that we do here on Locked On Magic. Want to get the lowdown on the Philadelphia 76ers forcing Game 7 against the Toronto Raptors? I highly suggest you check out Locked On Sixers. What about the Blazers forcing Game 7? Locked on Blazers. How will the Warriors cope without Kevin Durant? Locked on Warriors is your place. You can also get the national perspective on Locked on NBA, as well as a fantasy perspective on Locked on Fantasy Basketball. There's a Locked on podcast covering every single team in the NBA, plus NFL, MLB, and colleges too. You can find them all on iTunes by searching for Locked on and the team you're looking for, or on the Himalaya app, download podcasts to your device as well as create playlists and discover new podcasts to all on the Himalaya app. You can find that on iTunes by searching for Himalaya, just like the mountain range. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. When you're a, a second-round pick, your place in the NBA is never really settled. If I'm not mistaken, Wessa Wanu signed a three-year deal with team options or non-guarantees on the last two years. And that contract's not particularly lucrative, at least by NBA standards. When you're a second-round pick, teams are taking a chance. They want you on their team, but they know the odds of you hitting are slim. And in fact, it already seemed like the Magic were kind of hedging their bets on Wessa Wundu by drafting his almost complete basketball doppelganger in Melvin Frazier, another kind of lengthy, defensive-minded, poor shooting, 
veteran college player who kind of burst onto the scene late in his career. Ewundu's first year in Orlando was acceptable. It was okay. No one's going to complain too much about what he did. There was certainly something there, something promising that didn't really show up at Summer League particularly well. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well. And while his defense was certainly very good, there was a real question about where he fit into the team. I think entering this season, the idea was that Iwundu would maybe get some playing, would probably fill spot minutes as needed, but still be a deep bench guy behind Jonathan Simmons. Perhaps still kind of fighting off the advances of another young player in Melvin Frazier. To say the least, expectations felt very low for Wes Owundu. But by the time training camp comes along, all we hear from Steve Clifford is how much he loves Wes Owundu. We don't see it on the court, of course, but he loves the kid's work ethic. He loves how hard the kid works on defense. There's a lot that he likes. Just not enough to put him in the rotation. Sure, Iwundu got a couple of spot starts. And, and, and when he did with, with Jonathan Isaac injured with the ankle injury, Iwundu got the starting nod. And it was clear at that point that, yeah, Iwundu was playing a lot better. Sure, he wasn't shooting the ball well, but his defense and energy were, were really noticeable. And, and the Magic didn't really miss a beat with Isaac out of the lineup early in the season. With Jonathan Simmons continuing to struggle, it felt only like a matter of time. And in fact, I think frustration kind of grew that Steve Clifford had to put Wessa Wundu in the game. Had to put him over Simmons in the rotation. And eventually that happened. It's about the midpoint of the season that a Wundu finally took over fully that second unit role. That proved to be one of the better decisions the Magic made. Because yes, yeah, Simmons struggled a lot. But Awundu was really good. Awundu's stats aren't particularly flashy. Five points per game. 41.2% shooting, 36.7% from beyond the arc. 2.7 rebounds, 1.1 assists, 0.4 steals in about 18 minutes per game. A little bit more than 18 minutes per game. No one's writing home about those numbers. No one is really going crazy about those statistics. They're nice, they're solid, but they don't feel impactful. But of course, Iwundu was very impactful. Defensively, he was fantastic. 1.4 defensive win shares, a 0.7 defensive box plus minus, but more importantly, when he was on the floor and he played with that second unit that struggled a lot, the Magic had a 102.4 defensive rating. For players that played at least a thousand minutes this season, a one do the Magic had their best defensive rating with a one do on the floor. A one do can defend, Just maybe not at an elite level, and you know the Magic I think tried at one point putting him on Pascal Siakam in the playoffs, and Siakam overpowered him a little bit uh, just with his length. Uh, so so one do's good at guarding guards, maybe not forwards. But for a bench player, Wundu was a very good defender, very reliable defender, very smart defender. The question was always about his three-point shot. And as I, as I noted, he shot 36.7% from beyond the arc this season. He was a better shooter 
than people probably want to give him credit for. That's a start. But I would say this about a one do 2 Teams were right to leave him alone at the three-point line. Teams were right to ignore him there because Wandu was still really only taking those three-pointers when they were open. He wasn't forcing those three-point shots. He wasn't taking wild or crazy shots. He let the offense come to him as it came to him. And so if he felt confident to shoot, he would shoot. If not, he would attack the basket or move the ball to the next guy. There's still a little bit of confidence missing in that shot, but it'll come. And this was an encouraging season on that front. So encouraging, in fact, that a one do feels very much entrenched in the team's rotation. No matter what happens this offseason, a one do feels like he has a place in the league. And like I said, when you're a second round pick, your place in the league during that rookie contract especially, feels very tenuous. Iwundu should not feel that way anymore. No one's going to confuse him and say he's part of the Magic's quote-unquote young core. He's not at the level of Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, or Mark Fultz. The, the four guys that a lot of people, you know, the, the most Magic observers consider the core guys on the team. No one is saying that. But every good team needs a guy off the bench. Every good team needs a utility player. Someone who can just go in, provide some energy, provide some defense, fill in some gaps offensively, make it open three when the time calls for it. That's Wesley Awundu. And he's been, and he was this season, a very impressive and quality player for the team. Someone the Magic relied on night in and night out. It's not to say Iwundu doesn't stand to improve. He's got to continue getting better with his three-point shot because he fits that profile of the prototypical 3 and D player. And this season was sort of a proof of concept that that's the player he can one day become if he's not there already, to be honest. Maybe that's oversimplifying his role on what he can do because maybe a one-do can do a little bit more. I mean, I think he, he's... Uh, what I loved about a one-do all year is he just played within himself. You never got the sense he was forcing anything. You never got the sense he was, you know, searching for his own shots. He, he took what the defense gave him and did what felt, honestly, what felt comfortable and confident to him. And that shows a lot of poise. He's willing to make make more plays defensively. That's probably where he's more comfortable. But he did so many good things for the Magic. It was hard to keep him off the floor. Steve Clifford was right all along that a one-do was really impressive. And the Magic just had to find a way, you know, honestly find sometimes an excuse to get him on the floor. The Magic got him there this year. He got himself there this year, to be honest. And now he feels very much a part of this team's at least short-term future. I would put him in pen, barring a trade, of course, as the backup shooting guard next year. 
No qualms about that. He was a guy that was the first guy off the bench. When the Magic went to their, started going to their bench, he would always be a one-do for Aaron Gordon because the Magic wanted that defense with that starting group to kind of keep momentum going, keep establishing that base. And a one-do delivered all year long. And considering this was just his second year, it does feel like there is more refinement to come and more to come from Wessa Wundu. Again, a guy who I feel is absolutely a part of this team for the for the foreseeable future. Hiring used to be hard. And yes, I'm taking a break here to, to tell you a little bit about ZipRecruiter. Because hiring used to be hard. There are multiple job sites, stacks of resumes. Who has time for that? And a confusing review process. That one might be your fault. I'm sorry. But today, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to get it done. And that's, like I said, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they do not stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter can scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80%, that's four out of every five, four out of every five, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive website, website ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. LockedOn. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So on OrlandoMagicDaily.com today, and it's been a post I've been working on over the last few days, it's why I've been a little bit quiet, and honestly, one of the reasons I took yesterday off was to continue working on this while still punching out player evaluation series, but I did get it done, and we'll talk about it here. On OrlandoMagicDaily.com today, I listed the top 10 games of the Orlando Magic's 2019 season. I think we've got enough distance that we can savor the season a little bit and and, and get the bad taste of the playoffs out of our mouths. Um... And it was a really fun exercise. Um, actually, on, on Tuesday, I put out the call to, to fans, to followers, to send me their list of games, except the obvious ones. And we'll talk about the obvious ones in a little more detail on the show, because the obvious ones are the fun ones. And, you know, for the first time in seven years, it was a list of wins. I am happy to report there are zero moral victories in my top 10 list, and honestly, a second top 10 uh, of honorable mentions, of games that I didn't feel like fit 
the fit the bill, made made the cut of my of the ten games that I remember most that that simple symbolize this magic season. Um, there were plenty more games that were just memorable in their own right, and honestly, I think I left a few off my honorable mentions list that probably deserve some mention. I think a lot of fans talked about the, uh, the the first win over the Wizards or the two wins of the Hornets. I left those off. And that's a good feeling. It's nice to feel like you're leaving games off. You're only talking about wins. You're le- you know, their Magic won 42 games. I'm talking about a quarter of, a, a little bit less than a quarter of their wins here that were just truly memorable games. And, you know, as I was going through this games, these games and, and thinking about the season, and one thing I will be doing uh, once the offseason kind of quiets down a little bit is, is talking about where this team places in Magic history. I know a few years ago we, we ranked the, the top teams in Magic history. And, and, and one thing I do like to do is try and update that list or ponder what an update to that list might look like. We're not going to re-rank them quite yet in the way that we ranked them in, in previous years, but... Um, I do I do like to think about where this team places. And, and one thing that, that really struck me about this team and, and how fans relate to this team is, is something that I, th- I thought about and kind of noted was very similar to the other most beloved teams in Magic history. The most beloved teams in Magic history are the teams that take us by surprise. It's not necessarily result. Because, like I tell everyone, I think the 2010 Magic are the is, is the best team in Magic history. And that team was beloved. But in, in the eyes of history, I think that team is viewed as a disappointment. We didn't enjoy that season as much as we could. We should have, honestly. You know, in the moment, I think we did enjoy it. Um, you know, the, the dunk contest before the games. That, that was just a fun group. But losing in the conference finals the way that that team lost in the conference finals kind of weighed the whole team down. I would also, and I've made this argument at times, although I, I, I back off it now, I don't think it's true. The 1996 Magic were also just as good as the 95 Magic, if not better. In fact, that team is the only 60-win team in Magic history, and they did it with Shaq out for most of the first quarter of the season. They ran into the 72-win Bulls, and that wasn't going to go well. Not to mention, they ran into the 72-win Bulls with Nick Anderson hurt, Brian Shaw hurt, and I believe Horace Grant was also hurt in that conference final series in 1996. The most beloved teams in Magic history, the teams that fans fall in love with are the ones that take them by surprise. We're talking the the inaugural team, obviously the expansion team, but we're talking the 1995 Magic. As good as that team was, no one expected them to be finals good that quickly. We're talking about the Heart and Hustle team, perhaps the most beloved team in Magic history. We're talking about the 2008 Magic that won the Southeast Division for the first time in 12 years and got out of the first round. The 2009 Magic, a team that had a lot of character and spunk that made the finals when no one expected them to. And I would argue that 
this 2019 Orlando Magic team will be and should be included among those teams. I think that Magic fans will probably look back at this season, you know, maybe not with the same feeling as those other teams that I just mentioned. And, you know, certainly I would argue that that they're not as good as, as plenty of other teams, but this was a truly memorable and fun season. It's touch and go there for a little while, but once the Magic started making their playoff push, you could feel the energy in town getting behind this team. And just going back through the list of games that they played this year, just even scanning the schedule, there were just a lot of fun and memorable games. Again, even games that didn't make my cut for the top 10. Beating LeBron James and the Lakers twice. Sweeping the Lakers for the first time since 2009. Beating the Pistons on a buzzer beater. Beating the Cavs in an impossible comeback down five by, with 40 seconds to play. I, I believe I looked it up. Impredictable would give the Magic a 2% chance to win down five with the ball with 40 seconds to play. It's a pretty impressive. That's still a really impressive comeback. With Cleveland, of course, providing some mistakes on the way. There was the opening night where Mo Bamba dominated the game and, and made everyone think that maybe the Magic should let Vucevic go now and just start Bamba as a rookie. That would have been a bad decision, obviously. There were so many just fun, quality moments throughout the season that just made you so happy. The home finale is one that everyone talks about, and I put it eighth. Scoring 149 points, 81 in the first half, 40 in the first quarter, I made that the eighth best game of the season for the Magic. Some of that had to do with the opponents, but that was eighth. Beating the champion Golden State Warriors was sixth. On my list. So many memorable games. But one thing that was a a string that ran throughout the entire one and really just came to define this year's team was just their resiliency and their resolve. The Magic, if I'm not mistaken, led the league in fourth quarter comebacks. No team came back from a deficit in the fourth quarter more than the Orlando Magic. The Golden State Warriors had some absurd record under Steve Kerr when leading by 10 or more points after the fourth quarter. Orlando trailed by 11, outscored them 33-15, and won the game. Against uh, the Celtics and Rockets on a weekend in January, the Magic came from behind twice to win in crunch time over two very good teams. They withstood Terrence Ross, or they withstood James Harden. No one can withstand Terrence Ross. Against the Memphis Grizzlies, my number five game, down 17 in the third quarter in a game that Magic absolutely had to have, they found the spark. First from Terrence Ross and then from the crowd, getting a bucket from Evan Fournier to tie the game and send it to overtime and winning in overtime from there, making big play after big play. In perhaps... The most memorable, most memorable regular season game. A game that 
from January, I sat on this podcast and said, this is going to be a humongous game. Circle it on your calendars now. Against the Miami Heat, Orlando went down by 17 in the first half. And they stormed back and won the game, clinching the season series, taking control over their own destiny, and going to the playoffs. And and eventually finding their way to the playoffs. That was my number two game against the Miami Heat. That was such a huge win. I hyped that game up, and the Magic delivered. They took a punch on the big stage, and they kept fighting back. And that's who this team was. At the end of the day, that's who this team was. A team that always fought back. When you wanted to doubt them, and believe me, I doubted them. Everyone doubted them. They found a way to prove you wrong. They weren't doing it to prove you wrong. They were just, they were a a very tough-minded team. They played their style. They stayed committed to it. They believed in it. They believed in each other. And they always found a way. Even in that clinching win, my number three game of the season against the Boston Celtics, even in that clinching win, Orlando trailed by 12. They withstood Kyrie Irving giving everything he had to win that game. And they won. They made the plays down the stretch. Whether it was Aaron Gordon or Evan Fournier or whoever it was that night, they made the plays over and over and over again. But of course... The top game of the season can only be one game. And it's honestly the game that's the moment that's going to replay over and over and over again in Magic history. When the Magic play their history video in the final minute and a half before the national anthems, this moment will be there next year already. And it will stay there in those video montages and whatever the Magic come up with for eternity. For as long as this franchise exists. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league. Helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Game one. Game one of the 2019 NBA playoffs was the Magic's triumphant return. 42 wins, seventh seed in the East. The Magic were finally back in the playoffs. The storyline, of course, the national storyline was all about the Raptors, and it should be. The Raptors are obviously a good team now, entering Game 7 against Philadelphia. I sure hope that Ben Simmons doesn't plan on graduating or, or, or something like that, like they did the la- like, like what happened the last time the Sixers and Raptors played a Game 7. That was a Vince Carter joke. The Raptors obviously have a very good team and, and are on the cusp of making the Eastern Conference Finals. I thought the Magic matched up better with, with Toronto than, than than they ended up. But I even said that it was the Raptors in a soft soft six, hard five. I mean, I, I think I ultimately picked Raptors in five. So the result of the series did not completely surprise me. But Orlando was there to prove that they belonged. 
And with Toronto kind of trying to ease themselves in the playoffs, not quite playing at playoff intensity, the Magic sort of caught them off guard. Sure, Toronto took Orlando out of a lot of the things they wanted to do, but DJ Augustine had a fantastic game. He made the Raptors make the first adjustment of the series. And Magic fans around town were just so enraptured by it. Toronto made their adjustment. They, you know, took the lead. They made the Magic have to scramble back. But that's what this team did all year long. They they weren't ever phased by being in a deficit, or at least a manageable deficit. That's not what killed them in that series. Because they came back in Game 3, too. That's who this team was, or is. I don't know if it's past or present tense yet. And with the game on the line, the Magic made play after play after play. Nikola Vucevic, who struggled in the series and struggled in that game, found, whipped a pass to Aaron Gordon, who fed it to Jonathan Isaac for a three and a big shot. Did it again to find Aaron Gordon for another big three. Evan Fournier, who struggled all series, stole the ball for a layup and a tie game. And even with Kawhi Leonard making tough shot after tough shot after tough shot, the Magic did not blink. And with the game tied, in the dying seconds, DJ Augustin took advantage of Toronto's mistakes and drained a three-pointer to win the game. Sending all the fans in Orlando into euphoria, sending the bench into euphoria, it was, honestly, the season could have ended that day. And I hear your jokes. Some of you are saying it did. And that would have been enough. That was more than enough. The Magic had a playoff victory. They had a big moment. And they delivered. They proved they belonged. At least I thought that's that's what it meant. Certainly Toronto ratcheted things up and Orlando's flaws as a team came to the forefront in, in the rest of the series. Game three was the one the Magic had to have. They had to win every close game of the series to to make it a series, and and they didn't. Their best players struggled to break free from Toronto's tough defense. Orlando had been playing at a playoff intensity for so long that when Toronto turned on their playoff gear, they weren't in the same class. They weren't in the same weight class. And I think we all kind of knew and understood that before the series even began. Maybe not to that extent. But in some ways, the result of the playoffs was not surprising. Maybe how we got there was. But honestly, none of that matters. Not in the telling of this season story. If the movie were being written about the 2019 Magic, it ends with DJ Augustine draining that shot. You roll credits. Because that moment was everything. Seven years of pain, of struggle, of strife, of incompetence, to be frank. All coming together to show who this team really was. And I'm going to remember this team for those three games. Those those three games that I talked about. 
at Miami in late March, at Boston, and the penultimate game to clinch a playoff spot, and game one against the Raptors. Those three games, and honestly, probably that Memphis win as well, although not to the same extent. Those three games define who this Magic team is and was. Resilient, together, and euphoric. Happy to be there. Happy to be together. Happy and determined to win games. I know the playoffs probably still sting a little bit. And and there are big questions about this team's future that, that still have yet to be answered. But I think as time moves on, as 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 things, you know, as, as we can sit here and listen and think about the season, I think we can all say, I think we can all say that this was one heck of a ride. And one hell of a season. One that we will be remembering and talking about for a very, very long time. You can see my complete list of the top 10 games of the Orlando Magic season up on orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr__omd. And, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. As well, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast and listening device, including the Himalaya app, the home of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can again find me on Twitter at R underscore Omni. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Interact with us there as well at omagicdaily on Twitter. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Philip Rossman Wright. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 